Hey guys, what's up? We're back with another episode of A Piece of Aisa Podcast. Hi! So, as you all know, this is a different episode. So, in this one, I thought that we would kind of like go through some artsy cultural things, maybe even some current pop culture things. I think it could be fun to talk about the things that I've been like reading, seeing, listening to, just because I think they're interesting, not particularly because I think I have great taste or anything. I just thought that it would be fun to share kind of what I've been seeing, listening to, reading, whatever. A lot of people do ask me, you know, to post the things that I'm reading, especially. Um, So I think it would be interesting to like go through each of these categories. I kind of have like three different methods of art that I want to talk about. I think also just because, you know, I've been, I haven't been going out as much recently. Corona is on the rise once again, unfortunately. And so I haven't been able to like talk to people about these things as much. So that's why I figured that, you know, I have a place to talk about these things, and it's on the internet. This is my podcast, and I'm going to talk about whatever the fuck I want, so here we go. So the first category that I kind of split this episode into was music. So (laughs) I've been a huge, kind of enormous music fan for the majority of my life, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but the first album sort of introduction to music that I had, that I remember, that I remember consciously was when I was five years old or something. And my dad, (laughs) my dad, for reference, is a huge uh, classic rock fan. I think most of our parents are, but he was also very, very into rap, hip hop, you know, just very classic 90s and early 2000s artists that were releasing music like that. So he made me listen to a Snoop Dogg song and uh, he bought me a, he bought me an album that was a conglomerate of the most popular music at the time. I don't know if you guys ever bought CDs or remember CDs, but (laughs) there was a certain brand of CD that was called Now That's What I Call Music, and I don't know when they started, like what year it started, but they would just compile like the top 25 songs at the time every couple of months or every year or so, and they would drop a CD. It was kind of like a mixed CD, so he bought me one of those because it had the Snoop Dogg song that he was talking about, and so that was my first introduction to music. These playlist CDs, they were not censored, they were just the regular song, songs that would play on the radio all the time, which is so interesting to think about because that's kind of like the equivalent of the Spotify new releases tab or the Spotify like top 100 tab, but in CD form. (laughs) It's kind of interesting that the way that we listen to music has changed so much. Like, I was very heavily dependent on those mix CDs, and it very... 
I could say very well easily influenced my taste in music. I think that's why my music taste is so diverse because those CDs had rock, they had punk, they had rap, hip hop, pop, they had country music a lot of the time, alternative music, all kinds of shit. Just whatever was popping off at the time was on those CDs. So as a kid, I was very into basically everything just because I was exposed to everything. My parents also never censored what I listened to. So I had all kinds of different songs on my iPod Nano, songs that I probably shouldn't have had, Pussycat Dolls, Britney Spears. I loved Shakira. That was my first album that I had when I was not consciously aware of it when I was a baby. Um, So yeah, just all kinds of shit, right? And so I think somewhere along the way in the mix in the early 2000s, there were inevitably going to be some Kanye West Okay, so Kanye West, if you don't know who he is, I don't know how you don't know who he is, but Kanye West is essentially the the person who changed hip-hop forever, and I'm not saying this to kiss his ass, to be a brown nose, like, in all actuality, in pure factual, like, biographical form, I am saying that he changed the course of hip-hop forever. And that's not an exaggeration at all. There is a clear division of style, um, sound, production. There is a clear difference between pre-Kanye West and post-Kanye West music in culture. And so I have to mention him because... Even though we've kind of seen like his rise and fall of fame, not even fame because he's still famous, but his rise and fall in the media of, you know, one day people love him, one day people hate him. A couple years back when his mother died, his bipolar disorder totally went off the rails and he was going completely crazy, like right in front of our eyes. It was kind of painful to watch, especially now that I have a psych degree. And I know way more about bipolar than I did when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I kind of didn't understand why he kind of almost wanted us to hate him or why he did all of these crazy things that he did, controversial things that he did. I was so confused about it. But now that I know a little bit more about the background and how bipolar affects different people. I think the combination of being extremely famous, being in the spotlight for an extremely long period of time, I feel like most people, they have their little 15 minutes of fame and then it's gone. Kanye West has been famous for the better part of 15 years. So I think that combined with his predisposition of having bipolar going through the loss of his mother in the public eye, going through several, you know, relationships with women in the public eye, like everything that he does is basically for consumption. And I can see how that would affect the mental health that he has. And so anyway, I've been a huge fan of his music since I was a kid, since I can remember. It's kind of like something that will not go away. And I know for a lot of people, it's controversial to say, you know, separate the art from the artist and like 
Some people would even say that he's a horrible person based on his comments about being slavery being a choice and then the way that he very publicly and really unabashedly <laughs> uh, supported Donald Trump in his presidency. There's a lot of things that people can nitpick or say that uh, he's a horrible person, whatever. I think that regardless of his, you know, horrible background, if you want to call it that, regardless of his beliefs, I think that he is actually a musical genius. And I think that it's actually refreshing that he realizes that, that he knows that, that even though he has a huge ego, he's willing to say, like, yes, I've fucked up in the past. Yes, I'm sometimes I'm not a good person. Things like that. So it's it's a strange thing to be a Kanye fan, especially right now, which I'll get into like what's going on right now in a bit, but like it's a it's a weird line to draw like yes, Kanye love this song that you just dropped and then no Kanye like <laughs> don't say that. It's kind of a it's a big up and down thing being a Kanye fan. However, I have no regrets because when Donda released, I listened to it, you know, all day, all night, whatever. And now we're about to get Donda 2 in February. A lot of people are speculating that because he made Future, his executive producer, Future is kind of known in the industry for being a massive fuckboy. He has like seven, six or seven children with different women. He's notoriously misogynistic or has misogynistic tendencies lyrics whatever he uh he coined the phrase um she belongs to the streets <laughs> he is a he's a cultural phenomenon by himself future i mean and so for kanye to have him executive produce the album i think is a a way of you know snubbing it in Kib's face, like, look what I got, <laughs> look who's gonna have a say in my album, which is fine, I think that it's, again, something that he would do to garner attention, it's very Kanye-like to push people's buttons or to do something controversial, and so, yeah, it's not a huge surprise that he would drop another album so soon, especially one that future is going to have a hand in. However, um, a lot of people on the internet, especially on Twitter, now that we're talking about Kanye again in regular form, a lot of people have been speculating that he will not drop this album in February, that it will be extremely pushed back. Kanye kind of has a tendency to say that he's going to release something and then Sometimes we never see it. Sometimes we see it months later. There was a statistic that was run on some hip-hop uh, website and they tweeted it. I can't find the tweet, but it said on average, we wait an extra like 145 days for Kanye to drop something. That's just the average of everything that he said he's going to drop, <laughs> how long we've had to wait for it. And then in total you know, the total amount that we've had to wait for music to come out from Kanye in the past 15 years or whatever, the complete amount of waiting that we've done is five years in total. So it's tough to say if Donda 2 is going to come out next month or not. 
Um, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what it's going to be like. I can imagine that Kanye is sort of a perfectionist that he goes through and edits, removes, adds. I don't know. He probably plays with an album up until its release because he's very particular and blah, 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 blah. So it's hard to say if we're going to get that in February. We're just going to have to see. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was the like kind of autobiography biopic that is going to come out on Netflix. It's also set to come out in February, but he's also put out a statement that he needs to see the final edit from Netflix before it releases. I think it's going to be a three-part docu-series, which I am so fucking excited about because there's so much like history and shit that he's gone through, like not just dropping out of college and meeting Jay-Z like who the fuck gets picked up by Jay-Z of all people you know starts producing and then starts making his own music and then you know blah 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 like there's just so much history there there's so much that happened to him in his life from his you know his mother's death and the whole relationship that he had with Amber Rose and of course Kim Kardashian that whole debacle that's going on right now they're getting a divorce now so it would be like so crazy to see everything compiled together I'm sure that I'm sure that it's going to be an amazing biopic and I can't wait for it I just hope that it actually drops in February because who the fuck knows if that's going to happen but yeah so very much looking forward to Donda 2 um I did hear the single that came from it which was easy with a z Uh, featuring the game I thought that it was actually fucking incredible it's so good the production is on point as usual and the lyrics are I mean anything that you would expect from Kanye West he calls out Pete Davidson by name he says he's gonna beat his ass up he talks about like if we get a divorce it's gonna be the best divorce ever like it's it's very Kanye and I very much appreciate that Um, I hope that there's like introspective songs as well, like the song Runaway where he talked about, you know, being a piece of shit and how that, (laughs) how that, um, affects his personal relationships. And he literally tells people like, just run away from me. Like I'm super fucked up. So I would really like to see some introspection on that album. We're going to see if he talks more about his divorce or whatever, um, The other Donda, obviously it's named after his mother and it's like a very, you know, Christian, gospel-y influenced album uh, because his mother was like a big Christian and shit. Sorry, I shouldn't say and shit after saying Christian, but whatever. So it's kind of interesting to me that he would name this album Donda 2 because it seems like it would be more about Kim or more about him than it is about his mother. So I'm kind of confused about that. Hopefully it makes more sense when it comes out. But yeah, very much looking forward to that. I I will be a Kanye fan, at least of his music forever, most likely. Um, the other person that I think is doing fucking amazing things who I cannot wait for their album to drop is Grimes. <laughs> if you've never seen any of my posts literally anywhere, I fucking love Grimes. I'm a huge fan. Grimes is also one of those people that has like a very interesting come up in the industry. She was like just some indie girl from Montreal 
her parents, a lot of people have said that she like grew up with money, but I'm not really sure the validity, wow, I can't speak, validity, there we go, validity of that. So basically, she learned music in college, I think she said, from like, she used to study fucking like astrophysics or some shit, which completely justifies why Elon Musk would be with her. She just is a fucking genius. She's also one of those people that is doing amazing things in the music industry, kind of like Kanye. Um, And I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to Grimes. I didn't start listening to her until a couple years ago. I think actually in quarantine, which is kind of crazy that I hadn't listened to her before that I had seen her and I had seen like you know people reblogging her album on Tumblr and shit like that but for some reason I just never actually listened to her music which is so upsetting to me because if I had listened to the album Visions when it came out in 2012 I would have been hooked immediately (laughs) especially in 2012 when I was barely starting high school and I was like super still in my emo phase you know, that would have been like the perfect uh, thing for me to get into. But for some reason, I just didn't. So the first album I listened to of hers was Misanthropocene, which was um, an album that her fans were waiting for for a fucking long time, for five years or something. And it dropped, you know, right before quarantine or right at quarantine. And so I was locked in my room. I was under the influence of some substances, Miss Mary Iguana, and uh, I listened to it top to bottom for the first time, and I was completely blown away. I was so, like, holy shit, this woman is on to something. I was like, oh my god, because, you know, she kind of, like, talks about the end of the world and, like, you know, humans fucking up and how, how we have to, like how we're integrating into AI and like, you know, just crazy shit that was happening at the time. I think the craziest uh, prediction in all that whole album was, I think in 4am, the song 4am, she talks about how um, you're going to get sick, but you don't know when, you know, like at some point you're going to be extremely ill or something and like it, you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, I think she's actually said, like, I'm sorry for making that lyric because immediately afterwards we had a fucking worldwide pandemic, which is just so crazy how she can be so on the nose about things. But anyway, she's also an amazing producer, amazing uh, songwriter. She's just amazing in general. And so I've been waiting for another album to come out since then. And since then, she has dropped um, two singles, I think, Player of Games, and then she just dropped a couple days ago, Shinigami Eyes. And although those are more, I don't know, techno, pop, ethereal, uh, I don't know, although those are a little bit more, like, produced, a little bit more poppy, I don't know, danceable, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, I am still very much looking forward to the album. I do have to say that Visions is still my favorite album. Uh, Visions that dropped in 2012. Just because I think that... I think that it's just perfect. Every song is perfect. 
all the even though I don't understand most of the words or what she's saying uh, she also stated that she was under the influence the entire time that she wrote that album she said that she locked herself in her room for two weeks and fasted and did a lot of speed or something and so you can kind of tell that the album is like unhinged but unhinged in a good way in a creative way so I don't know what the process is like for her now that she has way more money a lot of more people are listening to her she's signed to Columbia Records recently like I don't know how that's going to influence this newer sound that she has I know she had a kid with Elon Musk they're broken up now blah 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 so I don't know how that's all going to like affect her or affect this album but I'm very much looking forward to it the other the other um kind of like extremely extremely influential in the underground I guess I would say not really it's not really like a mainstream thing I would never even think that this artist or this this group would ever be on any kind of like tv show movie um I could be wrong radio television whatever um but I'm extremely obsessed with them recently uh death grips (laughs) I know I know that's kind of like out of left field it may seem like like okay this girl listens to death grips but I do have to say death grips is another one of those people that is like completely changing the game um again I should have listened to them back in the day when they released the money store but I for some reason missed it I don't know how I did that I don't know how I went this long without listening to them it's kind of crazy but especially being a hip-hop fan like I feel like if you're a hip-hop fan and you haven't listened to the money store like what are you doing you know I, I felt so stupid thinking about it so anyway and that also came out in 2012 and again that would have been the perfect storm I was like an emo freshman kid very edgy <laughs> I would have fucking loved death grips back in the day but again that was something that I discovered way later I discovered them like in college, uh, probably like 2017 or 2018, which was kind of, you know, later on. Um, Shout out to The Needle Drop, if you guys don't watch his music reviews on YouTube. He was one of the first YouTubers that I actually really liked just because he's very up to date on things. Uh, He makes a lot of like videos about not just music that's coming out or like reviewing music that's coming out, but... He also talks a lot about, like, you know, music history, and he talks a lot about, like, the things that are happening in the music industry right now and shit like that. So, anyway, I think his videos are very interesting, even though I don't agree with him most of the time (laughs) on his reviews. But that's okay. I still watch him and respect him and whatever. So, anyway, uh, Anthony Fantano of The Music Drop, thank you. Or The Needle Drop. Why did I say The Music Drop? Of the needle drop, um, <laughs> thanks for introducing me to Death Grips. Um, the other person who was very into Death Grips in my life, who I did not listen to, and I'm so sorry, is my younger brother. My younger brother <laughs> was obsessed with Death Grips, and he went to go see them live, I think also in like 2017 or 2018, so I always regret not going to that live show. Um, I bet it was fucking amazing. <laughs> So anyway, I've been listening to Death Grips. I started with the Money Store. Um, 
It's actually, their music is, like, extremely gritty, aggressive. It's also very, like, it's extremely, what's the word? It's on top of what's going on in the real world. Like, you can just tell that they're extremely online the same way that the rest of us are extremely online. They're always on Twitter. They're always on on the internet seeing everything. Um, the... The song that I've been playing the most is I've Seen Footage. It's kind of like a a testament to what it's like to be young and on the internet. Like, sometimes you're just scrolling through and you see somebody fucking die. Like, somebody fall off a building or somebody get trampled at Astroworld. Uh, somebody get shot down by the police. Like, it's kind of like him talking about how you can't really go anywhere or do anything on the internet without seeing some fucking brutal, disgusting shit. Which is very true, you know? So, anyway, you can just tell that they are extremely with the times, they know what the fuck is going on, and yeah, that's why it's like so extremely aggressive and kind of off-putting. The production is like incredible it's so noisy and loud and i think it's considered industrial hip-hop which is the perfect description of what they're doing it's very industrial it's very like you can hear clanging and banging and police sirens and like fucking just all kinds of noisy shit it's really noisy it's really aggressive if you're like going to the gym or if you're angry about something you need to put some death grips on it's like the perfect thing so yeah, Death Grips, been loving them. Been loving the money store. Um, the other band that I wanted to talk about, I just saw them live a couple of days ago, and I'm listening to them in the background of this podcast as we speak. Um, the fucking... Fucking... Uh, this band is called Sports. So sports are kind of like this... I don't even know how to describe like indie but also funk but also like very futuristic pop i don't know how to describe them but i listened to them i found out about them like in also like in 2016 or 2017 i was like a freshman in college and they i think they just popped up on my spotify and i've been obsessed ever since they're so their songs are so catchy they're so they're like feel good you know, you just want to like wear bell bottoms and dance to this shit. I have no other way to describe what the feeling is like. It just feels so good and so nice. So anyway, I, my boyfriend and I on a whim just decided to buy tickets to see their show in Houston. It was at Warehouse Live, which is down the street from the apartment that I used to live at. RIP to that apartment, the best apartment in the world. Um, so yeah, we went to Warehouse Live on a Wednesday, this past Wednesday, and it was like fucking dead in downtown, which never happens. Um, we were right there, you know, like two people away from him, away from the band, and it was fucking amazing. Also wanted to shout out their opener called Husbands. You heard that right. Husbands, um, from Oklahoma City. They were fucking amazing. I had no idea who they were, um regrettably before I showed up to the show but they were so good it's kind of like you know very similar um vibe to sports but they have more of like a folk 
country influence, which I can totally get down with. It's so good. So yeah, Husbands, they just dropped an album like a week ago or so. And then still awaiting the sports album to drop. I'm so excited for that. Fucking love those guys. It was such a good time, such a good show. Um, 10 out of 10 would go again. It was a really good vibe. Love that. Um, The other band, the last band that I wanted to talk about, (laughs) and this is not going to be a surprise to anyone once again. I'm going to see them in like a week or two, I believe, in Dallas. Um, have tickets to go see them in Dallas. Uh, they're called the Marias. Again, another band that I discovered like in 2017 or something. <clears throat> just on a whim on Spotify. And they are so cool because, you know, I wasn't really like listening to a lot of music in Spanish. Which is really stupid I really need to get on not even just the reggaeton train (laughs) reggaeton uh but also just any other type of Spanish music this is before I knew about like Rosalia um I had listened to Cali Uchis a little bit like I didn't really listen to people singing in Spanish for some reason um which is a huge mistake gonna get back into that so anyway the Marias they have some songs in English and some in Spanish they're so good like unbelievably good the lead singer her voice is just perfect it's so beautiful they have a lot of like really they have a lot of cute like funky songs and they have a lot of like moody love songs they're really good they just have the range they just do and so i'm really excited to see them in dallas um i can't believe that we're able to like go to concerts again i'm like so happy so <laughs> that that was like a huge piece of my identity pre-COVID. I was extremely into going to concerts. I had like no money back then because I would spend it all on rent, groceries, and then concerts. Like I had, the, I had to budget that in because that was just like something that I cared about deeply. So yeah, the Marias, very excited to see them as well. So yeah, that's the music shit that I've been listening to that's been going on. Now I really, really, really need to talk to you very seriously about Sex in the City, okay? We're going to talk about TV right now. So um, Sex in the City is probably one of my favorite TV shows of all time, and it was extremely revolutionary for its time. This was back in the 90s, and like there wasn't really a show or... A series that encapsulated what it was like to be single in your 30s not giving a fuck there was also just like no type of show that showed like women having and enjoying sex like the way that they did and like men were kind of like the side characters like before that a lot of women in shows and movies were like the side characters the wives the girlfriends, the, you know, girl at bar or girl at grocery store, like just nameless bimbos that would show up. (laughs) And Sex and the City really flipped the script. Like they were the main characters and then the guys were like the side pieces or like, you know, guy at benefit or guy at movies. You know what I mean? So the boyfriends were disposable the income was disposable. It was very much about like the fashion and the friendships. 
and about just being in New York and doing your own thing. I think it's extremely inspiring and I watched it for the first time when I was like 21 and I was living on my own in uh, my downtown apartment in Houston and it was like the perfect time to watch it. I was young, I was single, I was living in a crazy apartment in in a big city. Like the most important thing back then was like finishing school and then seeing my friends and like going out to dinner or drinks or whatever, like going on dates and shit. So I really did feel like I was part of their little world <laughs> or like when I was watching the show, I felt like I was hanging out with my friends, which is sad, but it's also not like, I think that's just a testament to how good the show was. Like it really captured what it was like to be a single girl in a big city but then also it really captured what it was like to have like strong female friendships so anyway i love the show i've seen it all the way through like two or three times i fucking i will never get over it it's so good um but (laughs) when i found out that they were doing a reboot without without the Samantha character without Kim Cattrall, I was like, what the fuck? I was really thinking for a while that I wasn't going to watch it just because Samantha Jones as a character, she's like, you know, the slutty one. She's the one that has the most sex scenes. She's the one that cares about relationships the least, Um, at least relationships with men. She doesn't give a fuck about really. Uh, Men are just like her playthings. Her importance in life is her friends and her job, and herself, essentially, and that was really crazy for me as a young girl to see, because I was like, holy shit, like, I can be selfish, like, that was kind of a revolutionary idea for me at the time, like, wow, I don't have to, like, devote myself to somebody else, or to anything, really, like, I can devote myself to my own life, my own needs, like, me, so anyway, Samantha is an extremely revolutionary character um, for her time. Some people would say that she was like kind of problematic or whatever, but I think that there's no way that a character like that can't be problematic. <laughs> there's just no way. Um, so she was extremely revolutionary for her time. I think her character is actually still revolutionary for our time, like right now, right this second. And so... For her to not be in the new show, I was like, what the fuck are they going to do? How are they going to fix this? Like, how is anything going to be as good as it was without her? And anyway, now that we're like halfway through the first season, or maybe a little bit more than halfway through the season, I'm like really disappointed. And I'm disappointed for a multitude of reasons, not just because Kim Cattrall is no longer in the show, but also because it's just not written great. I I don't want to be a hater and say, Michael Patrick King, you're fucking everything up, but there's just a lot of things that I think could have gone better, like Miranda going back to grad school for basically no reason. I feel like if she were to go back to school, she would be the professor teaching teaching law or whatever if she really wanted to like stop being a corporate lawyer, which I can't see why she would want to stop doing that. Um, 
whatever. And then she's having like her gay awakening with Che Diaz, who's, you know, non-binary comedian. I just don't like Che Diaz as a character. I think that they're super inconsiderate. They give me like very fuckboy vibes, like fuckboy energy. <laughs> just, I can tell that it's not going to go well for Miranda. I don't know why she's like considering leaving Steve, especially since everything that they've gone through in the past and like how much they love each other. Like, I don't understand just from one day to the next, she's like, fuck Steve, you know? Like, sure, it's cool that she's gay, but I wish that they had like written the gay part a little bit better. Like, maybe just start the series with her and Steve already divorced. And she's, like, exploring her identity. Like, don't do this whole, like, having an affair, cheating thing. Because we already did the affair thing with Carrie in the first series. So, like, we don't need to go through the super uncomfortable, like, I'm cheating on my boyfriend. Like, ugh. It's just gross. I don't like it. I don't think that... I don't even think that it's in Miranda's nature to have an affair. Like, it's just so strange to me. Um, Charlotte's whole thing her whole character arc is that she's like a good mom which we knew that charlotte was going to be an amazing mom that's like all she wanted to be in the original series so like we fucking knew that <laughs> however um they gave her like a storyline in which her child comes out as non-binary or whatever and i think that's fine i think that's interesting but again it's like She's already being a good mother, so I don't know why her story arc would be like, oh, she has to accept her child the way they are. Like, she already does that. It's just not interesting to me. And then we have Carrie, who... I was listening to a different podcast. It's called Every Outfit. If you haven't listened to it and you're a Sex in the City fan, you should totally do that. Um, it's these two girls, they run an Instagram account called Every Outfit on Sex in the City. They're, they're basically doing like a digital archive of like all the outfits from the original show. And now they're doing, you know, they're posting about the outfits from the new series, which, spoiler alert, I don't even like that much. I think that the new outfits are super granny. Like, how come when women turn 50, they have to like wear these floor length gowns and long sleeves? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I want to see, like, some sexiness. You know what I mean? I feel like we've been drained of the original sexiness of the original series. But whatever. So, um, I was listening to Every Outfit, the podcast, and they were saying that it's kind of unfair that we never saw Carrie and Big be happy together like what the fuck we kind of just saw them fight and break up and fight and break up and get back together and break up get back together and then before we even get to see them like be happy for once um they fucking kill big big has a heart attack which like i would have expected or maybe even wanted for them to get divorced or like maybe he's the one that moved to Paris or moved to London or whatever the fuck they said Samantha did instead of having Samantha be the character that moved to London and gave up on everybody that's totally something that Big would do so I don't understand why they had to fucking just kill him like that maybe because um the actor uh fuck I'm drawing a blank on his name maybe because 
they found out that he's actually like a sexual predator and he has multiple counts of sexual assault against him. So they were like, shit, this is going to get out in the public. So we're going to have to kill his character. Like, I don't know. Okay. I really don't know. Chris Noth, that's his name. Holy shit. Chris Noth in real life, um, has, (laughs) there's been recently a lot of women stepping forward and saying that he, Uh, sexually assaulted them so I don't know if the writers knew that that was going to happen or they knew that that was going to come out I don't know there's been conspiracy theories and they think that that's why they had to kill him in the show (laughs) Um, so that that would happen before he gets cancelled I'm not really sure I'm not really sure what's going on but I don't like that they killed him I think it gives the show like this really weird vibe of like oh shit we're so old I don't even think being in your 50s is old. Like, my parents are in their 50s, and they're still, like, working out, working, having friends. Like, I'm sure that they're still living their best life, like, the way that they were in their 30s. I don't think that... I don't think that there's a lot of crazy shit that changes between now and then. Like, I think now in the modern age in the modern era aging is not that big of a deal like you know there's not as big of a stigma against it anymore like being 50 is literally not that old (laughs) i don't know why we're acting like in the series in the sex in the city reboot that being 50 is like the end of your fucking life because it's literally not (laughs) so i'm just i have a lot of like issues with it there's a lot of weird like um social justice warrior type of shit going on like some woke shit which I'm cool with some you know wokiness if you need to put it in the show but like there's way too much like way too much a lot of times I'll like pause after somebody's line and I'll be like oh my god I feel like I'm taking a fucking um social issues class like somebody just made a presentation about like being gay or about being an old woman quote-unquote old woman like I just I don't like it I want to hear people talk the way that they actually talk I don't want to hear fucking TED talk about social issues because I already I've already heard those you know like I don't want to hear it again so whatever well I'm still gonna watch it I still want to see what happens because I already started watching it but I'm just very upset I'm very upset um I hope that I hope that it gets better. That's really all I can hope for, I guess. Um, Changing gears from a show that's not really good anymore to a show that is fucking phenomenal forever. I watched The Sopranos recently. (laughs) And The Sopranos is also something that I feel like I should have watched before. Because when I was younger, when I was a kid, um, in my teenage years my dad and I were very very obsessed with mafia movies movies about you know organized crime I guess you could say um (laughs) my favorite movie growing up was Goodfellas I fucking love Ray Liotta in that movie um it's so funny it's so witty it's based on a true story the guy is in witness protection actually I think he died a couple years ago but yeah he was in witness protection and he published this book and it got picked up into a movie so like everything is based on true events it's fucking phenomenal like i i have no words (laughs) 
It's so good. Um, if you haven't seen Goodfellas and you're a fan of like The Godfather, or you're a fan of like the uh, Casino or A Bronx Tale or any one of those at all, uh, Scarface even. If you're a fan of any of those things, you need to watch Goodfellas. It's the best movie ever. So. I'm very surprised that we never watched The Sopranos. Um, my dad still hasn't seen it, and I'm bullying him to watch it now because it's so fucking good. But, again, this is another HBO show that came out like around basically the same time that um, Sex and the City was coming out, which is so crazy. Imagine if you're a TV production company like HBO, and you revolutionize television with not one show, but two shows how the fuck do you do that but whatever so sex in the city and sopranos they were kind of like airing at the same time um the sopranos is completely different from any other like tv show that i've seen and i think it's because i've been watching a lot of interviews and stuff like reading about it david chase is the one that wrote the sopranos and he just did not give a single fuck he had a vision for what he wanted to do and he executed that vision he totally he totally like changed tv forever i think that there's so many tv shows that came afterwards that tried to capture the same vibe or the same structure as the sopranos and it just doesn't compare it just doesn't i can understand why people would say that it's the best tv show ever created because it kind of is <laughs> it has everything it's like extremely dramatic it you know talks about life and death and family and then betrayal and just you know killing but then being a dad but then you know like it just, it's everything. It's everything. It's, it's fucking phenomenal. I have like, I have like no words to say, but at the same time I could talk about it for two hours. Like, <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Um, it's also extremely hilarious. I think The Sopranos is one of those shows that will make you cry and then turn around and the next episode you're like laughing. It makes, it's, it makes no sense. It's perfect. Um, I think the real magic with The Sopranos is the casting. Like, everybody that's in their role is, like, perfect for their role. They all fucking kill it. Um, James Gandolfini, like, rest in peace. He was fucking phenomenal in that role. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. If you haven't seen The Sopranos, like, what the fuck? I, I mean... I know there's like a whole new generation of kids like my age who are watching The Sopranos, which is so cool. I think that it's one of those things that will not go out of style or like, you know, we just, we won't ever forget about it. Like, it's not something that's, that we're going to forget anytime soon. So yeah, it's fucking phenomenal. I also, <laughs> I also read that there was a lot of, um, David Chase had a lot of intel on what it was like to be in the Mafia. There was some dudes in the cast that were in the Mafia. Um, I forget his name, but the guy that plays Polly was in the Mafia in the 80s. <laughs> so, and David Chase wanted him on the show so bad that he just wrote in the character Polly so that he could play him, which is like icon behavior. If you want somebody, you will bend over backwards to make it happen, to make them be on your show. And that's exactly what he did. He fucking just changed the whole 
tone of everything when he added Polly into the script. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of um, intel that he had about what it was really like to be in the mafia to the point where when the show would come out, <laughs> dudes that were locked up or dudes that were on parole, like dudes that were in the in the mafia, they would be like, holy shit, how does this guy know? How do they know what it's like? They're like, this is exactly what it's like. And I think that's just a testament to David Chase's genius that it was so realistic and so close to reality that even the guys that were locked up were like, holy shit, this show is super accurate. I think that that's insane. But yeah, so that's that's basically that's the sopranos it's incredible like so amazing the ending everything is perfect i wouldn't change a single fucking thing um i watched it all the way through when i was unemployed which was like the perfect time to watch it i was extremely obsessed so anyway sopranos amazing i haven't seen the many saints of newark i've been hearing a lot of like good and bad things about it i'm still gonna watch it but I don't have, like, amazing expectations. Let's just say that. Especially after watching the fucking, the new Sex and the City. I'm not sure how I feel about rebooting shows that are, that have been done for 20 years. But yeah. The other show that I saw, because people were telling me that it's like The Sopranos, which is, again, I don't think you can compare The Sopranos to anything, but people told me, oh, if you like The Sopranos, then you need to watch Breaking Bad, which the correlation is just not there. Um, just because The Sopranos is about like guys that are doing crime and Breaking Bad is also about guys that are doing crime, like that doesn't mean that they're any similar at all. Um, and they're not. So Breaking Bad was one of those shows that I was just like, eh, I don't really know if I want to watch this or whatever. Um, and then finally my boyfriend was like, uh, yeah, we have to watch it. Like, it's so good. So I watched it. I thought it was really, really good. It's not like iconic for me. It's not like, oh my God, revolutionized the game. Um, <laughs> I think the plot and like the storyline was really good. I was just really, really annoyed with Walter White's character because at least in The Sopranos, like Tony Soprano was very aware that he was like a piece of shit and that you know it it basically it gave him depression like he was very introspective like he knew that the things he was doing were wrong and blah 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 and like the Walter White dichotomy is kind of like I don't know if you guys I mean I don't know how many of you guys have taken the Psych 101 but <laughs> There's an old story called Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, it's kind of like, it's what a lot of these movies and shows are based off of. So it's this man in like, I don't know, 17, the 1800s or something in London. And he has like split personalities. So, and when he splits personalities, he changes like his outside appearance as well. So there's Dr. Jekyll, who's like a very... Um, uniform like respectable person in the community and um, he has he's wealthy he has like his own medical practice blah 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 people love and respect him and then Mr. Hyde is like his counterpart 
like all of his evil intentions. He's just like a fucking maniac. <laughs> he kills random people on the street. He rapes women. He goes out at night and steals things. Like he just does whatever the fuck he wants, like regardless of any repercussions. Um, and, but they're the same person. They're two parts of the same person. And Breaking Bad gave me Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde vibes. Like, okay, you know, uh, Walter White is like the fucking, um, he's a teacher. He's a chemistry teacher. He cares about his students and his family. Uh, he'll do anything for them, blah, 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 blah. He's like a nice, demure man. He has cancer. And then uh, Heisenberg, which is just a fucking stupid name, but <laughs> Heisenberg is like this big, bad drug dealer. He makes the most pure meth ever. He bosses everybody else around. He wants to be on top. He wants to make millions and millions of dollars. Um, yeah, he kills people without remorse. Uh, he'll do anything it takes to come out on top or whatever. And so you have these two sides of the same person kind of deal, which is, you know, very like Fight Club. You know, like I said, Fight Club is also based on Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So, um, yeah, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like the same kind of concept all over again, like recycled. Um, I also thought that I think the most, uh, the best character for me in that whole thing was probably Jesse Pinkman, just because he felt like the most realistic of everybody. Like, he's very driven by his emotions. Um, you know, he just seemed like, like the most realistic character in that situation. I think the other character that's like very notable or like rememberable, rememberable, memorable, sorry, memorable is, uh, God damn, I already forgot his name. Um, shit, whatever. The brother-in-law, that's the DEA agent. <laughs> I already forgot his name. Hank, there you go. Hank, the brother-in-law, that's a DEA agent. I think that his character was extremely solid. Um, you just know his, his motives, his emotions. You know exactly who this character is. Um, I think that that part was extremely pivotal in the plot. I really liked all the scenes with him. His acting is phenomenal. So... Yeah. Anyway, those were my two favorite characters in the show. I did enjoy it. It wasn't icon level. I, I can see where they tried to do like some funny shit, like some goofy shit, but it was just like extremely dark and depressing most of the time. So yeah, it just, it seemed like it was good, but it wasn't iconic, I would say. So yeah. Speaking of iconic, let's go on to some anime, okay? I'm, I'm going to end the episode after I talk about these. I just needed to get these out there. <laughs> so, I'm going to talk about three different ones, okay? The first one being one that I watched with my cousins when I was over there during Christmas break. Uh, it's called Megalobox. It's, it's on Netflix if you guys want to watch it. It's fucking amazing. It's um it's based on this very old manga from like the 70s or something um about a boxer. Um the premise of the show is, you know, there's like these underground boxing matches where these guys have like these big hydraulic like pieces of metal over their arms. So 
it's kind of like cyborg boxing, if that makes any sense. Um, I think it's supposed to be set in the future, but I'm not entirely sure. So basically, um, it's basically, it's an underdog story. You know, it's this guy that goes from, he's like an illegal citizen and he goes from fighting underground to like making his way to the top to being like the championship boxer. And it's so phenomenal. Like it's, it's amazing. All the, I'm not even like a huge, you know, I don't watch a lot of sports anymore like I used to. I'm not like a huge boxing fan in real life, like actual real life boxing. But to see them talk about like technique and, you know, the training that he does and like the motivation behind like, why do you want to beat another man to death? Like, it's just so interesting to me. I love a good underdog story. I love the main character. Like, the main character gives me very much, like, Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop vibes. Like, he's just like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm doing this for me. I want to be the best. Like, that kind of stuff. Um, extremely iconic. I loved watching this anime. It's so good. It's only, like, 25 episodes. So, if you have the time and you like sports, um, please go watch Megalobox. It's fucking fantastic. On the other side of the spectrum, um, I wanted to talk about these two animes because they're currently airing right now as I speak, as I upload this episode. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is getting scratchy. I'm like so excited. <laughs> I've been talking for so long. Okay, the first one that I wanted to mention, uh, these two again are going on at the same time. They're releasing new episodes uh, tomorrow, actually, <laughs> and every Sunday, so... Tune in if you haven't. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about is Demon Slayer. I'm not sure if I mentioned this in another episode, but Demon Slayer is like also fucking fantastic. It's one of those animes that people were telling me to watch for a while. They were like, oh my god, yes, oh my god, please watch it, please watch it, it's amazing. And I was like, eh, like I don't really know if I'm down for another like fantastical swordsman type of shit. Um, but I watched it when it first came out, when the first season came out a couple years ago, and holy shit, it is so good. Like, it, it definitely lives up to the hype that it gets. Um, everything about it is fantastic. The characters are amazing. I love the storyline. I also, I really love the outfits. To me, anime is so, like, visual and so visceral that, you know, it's... There's a reason why there's people in real life that like to dress up in the costumes and shit because the outfits are fucking fantastic. <laughs> they're phenomenal. They're iconic. They're, you know, amazing, whatever. Demon Slayer has some of the best, like, outfits, I think. The best, like, character designs. Um, because they're all so different. They're so diverse. They're so kooky, crazy, wacky. Um, if you see a character from Demon Slayer anywhere, like posted anywhere on the internet, you know immediately that that's Demon Slayer. Um, yeah, it's fucking iconic. Love the story. Love everything about it. Every episode that comes on is way too short. Every Sunday, I'm there when it drops, and I watch it, and every time it ends, I'm like, fuck, and now I have to wait another month. I mean, not another month, another week for this shit to come out. Like, it's so painful for me to wait, <laughs> for me to wait a week, but I'm doing it. I'm here. I have my alarm set. I'm literally jumping on Hulu to go watch Demon Slayer every Sunday. It's fucking fantastic. Um, I love the arc that we're in right now, actually. 
the entertainment district arc it's it's fire it's so good it just keeps getting better which is something that you have to do with anime like you just have to keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it so i really really respect demon slayer for being able to keep us all on our toes for that long like it's it's a very difficult thing to do i think to keep us all entertained for that that many years like come on but yeah and I'm going to end this with the most iconic, the most game-changing, the most talked about anime like of this era right now that we're in. And that is Attack on Titan. Bitch, oh my god. When I first watched this, I think it came out when I was like in 8th grade or 7th grade or something. The first episode that I watched when I was like in 8th grade, I saw it and I was blown away i knew that this was gonna be a fucking phenomenon from the first episode that i saw like i knew that it was gonna blow the fuck up and i was right i was completely right it has blown to massive proportions there are people i know that used to make fun of me in high school for watching anime there are people that i know that haven't seen a single anime and they love attack on titan like bitch that just goes to show how amazing your show is. Like, if you can change people's minds about an entire genre of entertainment, then you are the GOAT. Like, I'm so sorry, but you are the GOAT. So, anyway, there's a reason why Attack on Titan fans are extremely annoying. <laughs> and it's because their show is fucking phenomenal. It's fantastic. It's actually so crazy. The way that they take us through these different arcs and like there's so much going on. There's so much like military strategy. There's so much history. There's so much like turmoil going on. It's also extremely depressing. There's a lot of, you know, death and violence and whatever, but it's just so good. It's actually amazing. There's like no wasted space in the anime. Like every scene means something or is going to mean something, is going to tie into something else, like, just peak entertainment, like, actually, <laughs> and I, that's another one that's coming out every Sunday at, right now at the moment, and every Sunday, bitch, I'm watching Attack on Titan, I'm watching Demon Slayer, I'm, like, jumping to get on Hulu to watch that shit, it's so fantastic. And I'm so sad that we're at the last season of Attack on Titan. I mean, I'm not completely sad because, yes, like, I want to watch the ending, whatever. But it's been going on, like I said, since I was, like, in eighth grade. So it feels like, you know, this big cultural moment is ending, um, which is kind of sad. I mean, I know that there's going to be iconic anime to come out in the future, but... To see this last chapter of Attack on Titan being animated, like, bitch, it is so surreal, actually. It's crazy um, that I've been on this journey with Attack on Titan since the beginning, and now it's ending? Like, holy shit. Um, I think the last time that I felt this way about an anime was Full Metal Alchemist, which I also saw, like, the beginning and the ending of when it was coming out. I'm talking about Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, if you haven't seen that. Um, that's another, like, cultural phenomenon that happened, uh, before Attack on Titan. And now that we have Attack on Titan, it's like, ugh, I'm just so 
I'm excited, but I'm also upset that it's ending. Like, it's it's so good. Again, if you haven't watched any anime at all, at all, at all, watch Attack on Titan, at least, at least. Because I know Attack on Titan it has been the gateway anime for a lot of people, and I can understand why, because it's fucking phenomenal. So, yeah. Anyway, that's, like, music entertainment uh, shit that I've been really into recently. Um, I think I'm gonna do a whole other episode on, like, books and, you know, that kind of shit. Books and movies, maybe. Um, because I didn't think that I was gonna talk for a whole hour about these two categories. I was also gonna talk about books in this one, but I think that would just take a very long time. (laughs) So, anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you take some of my recommendations with you. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll speak again about different things going on later. Um, yeah, so let me know if you listen to or watch any of these things. Um, let me know your thoughts and what is, who's your favorite music artist and also what's the best TV show you've ever seen? I'm down for some recommendations. Um, yeah, I guess we'll talk soon and, uh, yeah, bye.